This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Beck, and this is the Shiur uh, about Pashat HaShavua, this week Pashat Vayetze. Pashat Vayetze and Pashat Vayishlach are the two Pashiot which describe Yaakov's career as an Av, as a patriarch. Uh, Vayeshev, which the opening verse sounds like it's about Yaakov, Vayeshev Yaakov Eretz Mugrei Aviv, but 97% of the Pasha is already about Yosef and his brothers. Uh, the two Pashiot which are devoted to Yaakov is Pashat Vayetze and Pashat Vayishlach, and divided up very, very clearly. Vayetze takes place in Chutz Laretz, in Aram, and Vayishlach takes place in Eretz Yisrael beginning from when he returns and meets Esav and then <coughs> and then the rest of the time. It's a uh, well-established theme in Chazal to view Pashad Vayishlach, at least the beginning of it, as creating a blueprint, both in terms of prediction, in the sense of Avot Siman Lebanim, what took place with the forefathers indicates to us what will take place and did take place with the children, as well as a, uh, a blueprint of advice, how one should react, how one should relate to non-Jewish powers. Uh, Yaakov meets Esav in the beginning, and there's a lot of Midrashim, and afterwards in Leidim of Hashem as well, uh, which see that encounter as the encounter between Israel and Esav, meaning Edom, meaning Rome, which was the dominant power, the controlling power in Eretz Sometimes these medrashim were written, and uh, they they use that as a as a stepping off point for understanding the relationship between Israel and the nations. And there is it's much less explicit in Pashat Vayetze, but I think Pashat Vayetze is no less important in the same uh, understanding interpretation, and perhaps even more. It's important for us to remember, Yaakov is the only one of the Avot who, uh, whose life, a significant portion of his life, revolves around Chutzlavitz, living among the other nations of the world. Uh, Avram Avinu obviously spent many years, he spent 70 years in Chutzlavitz, uh, but, but his career only begins from the day that God says to him to go to Eretz Israel. Now, it's true, there's a, there's a short passage there where he goes down to Egypt for a short period of time, which was important to Chazal, along the lines of Masavot Siman Lebanim, the actions of the forefathers pre-determine uh, or pre-signify the lives of the children. So the going down to Egypt by Avam Avinu foretold the going down to Egypt of his descendants. But but it's, it's a relatively short Pasha, and... Uh, and he goes down and he comes back. And he's safe from any, any particular danger. Yitzhak obviously never leaves Eretz Yisrael, as is well known. He's not allowed to. In similar circumstances, when there's a famine in Eretz Yisrael and he's on the way to go to Egypt, God tells him he, he's not allowed to leave. Yaakov spends 21 years in Haran, has 11 of his 12 children, marries his four wives, it's all of Pashad Vayetze. It's the most significant things we know about Yaakov actually take place in Chutzlaut. What's more, it's fair to view Yaakov's life in Chutzlaut as galut, as galus, as exile. 
his parents are living in Eretz Yisrael. He flees, runs away, escapes their home in Eretz Yisrael because of the danger from Esav on his mother's and father's command. But nonetheless, he's a, he's a refugee in Chutz he, he He comes penniless to the home of his relative, of his uncle Lavan. And he lives there for 21 years. So I would say politically, he's a refugee. And now, economically, he's a dependent. Avinu goes down to Egypt, said he's visiting. And he comes back a very, very rich man. Yaakov is a literally a dependent in the, in the financial and legal term. He's an associate, a dependent associate of, of Lavan, one of the important people of, uh, of Chavan. Uh, to a certain extent, he's like a, a, an addendum to the tribe or to the Chamula, the family of, uh, of, uh, of Lavan. His whole status there is because he's made this connection to Lavan's family. And he's very, very, very much dependent on Lavan, as he will express at the end of the passion when he argues with Lavan. And, uh, and he says, you know, I've been living for 20 years in your house and you've cheated me and I've, and I've had a terrible time. Uh, the whole, his whole status, the status of Yaakov throughout this parsha, which again is 50% of what we know about Yaakov Avinu, and not including the, the end of the, the end of Sefer Bereshit uh, is that of a homeless, penniless refugee living in dependency in a foreign land, in Galut, in Chutzlavetz, in the house of, in the house of, uh, of Lavan. And I think that just as we've been taught by Chazal to extract from Parshad Vayishlach lessons concerning the political relationship between Israel and Rome, between Israel and the nations of the world. In other words, there the focus is Yaakov meaning Esav, danger and defense organizing the relationship not too close, not too far, uh, the three methods that Rashi points out that Yaakov used to relate to Esav, preparations for war, for prayer, and for basically bribery, gift. That's the political relationship between the leadership of the Jews and the leadership of the Gayim, and that's why in the Midrashim there are stories about Rebbe, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rebbe Hanasi as a parallel to Yaakov, and the Roman uh, prefect or the Roman emperor as a parallel to Esav. So Pashat Vayetze is also about the relationship of Jews and the nations of the world, but not political, but rather social, economic, and living on a personal level uh, amongst them. And I think we should. We I think we are intended to draw the same kind of lessons. So let's begin from the beginning of the parsha, where uh, we have the story of the of the sulam, the ladder of Yaakov. Difficult, obviously meant to be difficult. A story which is symbolic from its very from its very beginning. Where the symbolism we have to work on the symbolism, uh, and I want to simply discuss 
a conclusion that Yaakov drew from what God's message to him. In in uh, before we begin, so just as a as a title, as a uh, as, as 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 a slogan that we which, that we will follow, the place where Chazal explicitly referred to Pashad Vayetze as a lesson in the relationship of Jews and the non-Jewish environment in which they live, is found in the beginning of next week's Pasha. It's found the beginning of Ayishlach. When, uh, as is well known, a famous line, when Yaakov is going to meet Esav, and he sends messengers with a message to Esav, the beginning of Pashat Vayishlach, Perek Lamid Bet, Pasuk Hei, 32.5 He tells the messengers, or the angels, literally translated, Say thus to my master Esav, I, he tells Esav, I have lived with Lavan till now. So Rashi quotes the line from Chazal, Im Lavan Garti, Garti b'Gematria Taryag. Garti is in Gematria 613. Klomar, Im Lavan HaRasha Garti v'Taryag Mitzvot Shamati. V'lo Lamati Mima'asav HaRaim. Yaakov declares to Esav, He's summing up the previous parasha. I have lived for 20 years. I have lived all these years since you saw me last. With Lavan. And the truth is the Pasuk doesn't have an explicit reference to and what comes next. So Chazal fit it in on the basis of a, of a, of a hint, of a gematria. I have lived with Lavan, but I haven't become like him. V'tariya mitzvot Shamati. I've observed the mitzvot. In other words, I've maintained my spiritual independence. So this is found in, in it's the beginning of the next week's fashion, but it's summing up this week's fashion. And I think that's our that's our uh, uh, the line under the, which we're going to explain what we what, what I'd like to explain. The pasha is hinting at not not that explicitly. But it's hinting at how one lives in a close relationship with the non-Jewish world. Yaakov is living in the house of Lavan. He's also married to Lavan's daughters. And yet, specifically and deliberately, he maintains a spiritual independence which allows him to say in the end, Lo lamadati mima'asav hara'im. I have not been corrupted by that, by that state. And going back to the beginning of Pashat Vayetze, God appears to Yaakov while he's sleeping on the ground at the head of the ladder which reaches from the ground, from the earth to, to the heavens and God says to him the following Vayomar Ani Adonai Abraham Yitzchak I am God I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Yitzchak. So 
So he says to Yaakov, I'm going to give you the land of Israel, the land on which you are sleeping, I will give to you and to your descendants, and your descendants will be ka'afar ha'aretz, like the dust of the earth, which is an expression that was very used for Avraham Avinu. But then a further expression, which is new, faratzta yamma v'kedma v'tzafona v'negma, and you will, there are different interpretations, you will break out to the south, to the, to the east, to the west, north and south, and you will be the source of blessing for the entire world. And then in Pasuk Tetvab, God says, Then God promises personal, personal protection to Yaakov. In other words, the first two psukim describe national and, and future blessing. I will give you and to your descendants, basically your descendants, the land of Israel. And your descendants will be as numerous as the, the sand of the earth. And they, you, it says you, ufaratsta, but that means they, will spread out in all different directions. And then there's a very sharp uh, transfer to very close personal promise of personal protection for Yaakov. Who is about to leave his homeland? And he's doing the opposite of Amavino. He's leaving his father's house, his birthplace, to go into a strange land, alone, helpless. And God says, I will protect you everywhere you go, and I will return you to this land. For I shall not abandon you until I have fulfilled that which I have spoken to you. The Mephoshim asks a simple question. God promises Yaakov, I will be with you and I will protect you wherever you go. Now, Yaakov is not wandering around the world. I've already announced my intention to view this parasha as a, a template for Jewish history. Okay, but but in, in terms of this detail, it's not, it's not exactly true. Jewish history is wandering around the whole world. Not just Galut, but also dispersion. Not just exile, but also dispersion. But Yaakov is simply going to Chavan. He's going to spend 21 years in the same place. So why does God say, B'chol asher telech, wherever you go? So some of Hashem say right away that the real meaning of B'chol telech is not to every place you go, but to all the experiences you will have. Yaakov is going to have a stormy life in Chavan. Two wives, two more wives, the dealings with Lavan. Those whatever befalls you, I will be watching over you. Bechol asher telech, wherever you go means whatever you do, which is which is a good explanation, uh, but not literally, not literally what it says. Bechol asher telech, wherever you will, wherever you will go. So I think that in terms of Yaakov's personal life, that explanation is correct. He's telling him, I will be with you no matter what. Wherever you go. I know you're not going anywhere. You're not planning to go anywhere. But, but there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of things happening. But I think that the choice of the language here is in fact to explicitly hint, explicitly hint at the fact 
that this promise is being made not only to Yaakov, but to the future of the Jewish people. And that is why the Psukim are ordered the way they're ordered. I'm not sure how good a question this is, but some of us should ask, why did God first give Yaakov a promise about his future descendants as inheriting the land of Israel and populating uh, large uh, expanses of territory only afterwards promising, promising in the future, in the present, his, his present protection. The present should have be, been before the future. I'm not sure how good a question that is, but, but in, in, in light of what is said here, I think that the answer is, 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 is definitely good. The reason why God gives Yaakov Avinu an explicit promise about the future, basically the promise that's given to every forefather, given to Avraham, is given to Yitzchak, you, you, your children will inherit this land, is in order that when we read the Pesach, we'll understand it already in the framework of the future promise of Amisra. In other words, God is not only speaking to Yaakov, the individual, but He's speaking to Yaakov, Yisrael, Yaakov, who is all of Israel, and therefore is being told, you and your children will inherit the land, and you will go east, west, north, and south. You will expand. You will break out east, north, west, and south, and your children, and I will be protecting you wherever you go. So you're only going to Haran, but that travel to Haran is, in fact, symbolic and 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 the template of wherever the Jews will go. You're going to Chabad, they'll go to Afghanistan, they'll go to Moscow, they'll go to 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 the Western uh, to um, to the Americas. Um, I will be you wherever you go. You will go wherever you go. But the entire context here is, and I'm saying this is explicit on the level of a hint. It's an explicit hint that. God is speaking not merely and not only to Nebuch Yaakov who needs a little bit of help in order to get to Chavan and not, uh, not get into too much trouble when he gets there. But in fact, it's about the Jewish people completely. So the first point is that the Pasha says that the Jews will be spending many, many years in exile from the land after they were in the land. Not a trip to Egypt, but exile. And the vision of the latter comes, among other things, to explicitly deliver the promise that I will be with you wherever you go, in all situations, and and I will return you to this land. The language here is, obviously the language is extreme because... On the personal level, Yaakov is perhaps in extreme distress. That's, I think, how we should understand this on the personal level. Yaakov needs this reassurance because, again, let's understand the situation. He's, he's run away from his home alone. He's in the middle of the night, sleeping alone, outside. He's abandoned. No one's given him any protection. Yisrael has not sent him together with a, a servant like Eliezer and the whole caravan of servants. He's running away all alone. And perhaps, apparently, in terms of his personal distress, yes, he does need reassurance. But the extremity of the language is, is, I think, clearly coming to reassure Israel in general. Not only will I take care of you, and not only will I return you to this land, I will not abandon or leave you. 
I will be with you every second of the time. Adasher im asiti, until I fulfill that which I have spoken to you. Now there's a simple question on the end of this Pasuk. What? And after God has returned him to Israel, then he will leave him? It says, I will not leave you. I will return you to this land and I will not leave you until I fulfill that which I have promised you. And then what happens? So, the answer is, okay, but that, that didn't require the reassurance. He's telling him, I won't leave you for a second as long as, you're, as long as you are helpless. But again, I think here the point is being made that theologically we understand there's a difference between Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laaretz. God is in Eretz Yisrael and Chutz Laaretz, it's not the land where there is Hashra'at Shechina. It's not the place where God's presence to be alone or to be even found in the diaspora of the world is to be without God. And therefore God is saying, I will accompany you. I will not leave you until I bring you back. And when you're in Eretz Yisrael, so it's, it's, it's normal. In other words, I won't have to be holding your hand anymore. You'll be living under God's protection. You'll be living in God's kingdom. You'll be, you'll be part of the picture. I, I would add, and here I'm speculating a bit, that it's conceivable we should understand this even more literally. I will not abandon you for one second until I have fulfilled what I promised you and brought you back to Eretz Israel. And then in Eretz Israel, just to some measure, I will leave you a little bit. Because in Chutzlaretz you're helpless and you can't really do things. I have to do things for you. But in Eretz Israel, you can view this as a form of religious Zionism, you'll be doing things. You'll be building things. Obviously, God will be helping you, or else you won't succeed. But the burden will be on you, whereas in Chutzlaretz, the burden is not on you, because you don't have the power. And there, God is taking care of you in a miraculous, in, in literal sense. You are subject to Lavan's, in this case, Lavan's domination and power and control. I will take care of you. When, you, when I bring you back to Israel you will take care of yourself. Which is, of course, what takes place in the story of Yaakov's life. Yaakov in Vayetze is helpless, as it says explicitly in the end of the story, when he flees, again, this time from Lavan, and Lavan goes after him and is going to attack him. And he's purely saved by, he's saved only by divine intervention. God appears, God comes to Lavan and tells him, you will not touch Yaakov. And the next day, Lavan catches up to Yaakov. <coughs> Excuse me. He catches up to Yaakov and, uh, and Yaakov says to Lavan, he recognizes the truth, Lulei Elohei Avi, Elohei Avraham, Yaakov says to Lavan, were it not for God, the God of my father Avram, and the fear of Yitzchak, the God of Yitzchak, I would have been penniless now after 21 years in your house, and God has taken care of me, as took place last night. It's a clear reference to what apparently he knew, that God had appeared to, had come to Lavan last night, and had protected him. 
Yaakov, despite the machinations of uh, what took place with the sticks and the and the and the sheep and the flocks of and the flocks of sheep, but he's really he's admitting none of that would have worked if God hadn't protected Shmarani Lo Ezveka, hadn't been with him every every stage of the way. When he comes to Eretz Yisrael and he's living in Pashad Vayishlach, so Yaakov conducts a war with uh, the people of Shechem. And he moves his family around, and 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 he, he takes responsibility, and it's all summed up in the the, the fantastic pasuk. But even Lobayit, uh, Yaakov's the 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 word which is Yaakov's life is Bayit Beit El, and by even Lobayit, he's the first of the forefathers to build a Bayit. We call that Beit Yaakov. Uh, Yaakov builds in Eretz Israel. He has a Bayit in Chavan. He doesn't have a Bayit. His house is the house of love. The difference between two pashiot is striking. So I think that's included in what it says there. I will be holding your hand, be hovering over you until I return you to Eretz Israel. And yet, so I won't be hovering over you. You will grow up. You won't be a dependent little child. Of course, God will protect Yaakov. Of course, God will be with Yaakov. He'll be with Yaakov as, as a Merkavala Shechina. He'll be with Yaakov because Yaakov will be the basis for God's presence in the world. Not because God is doing him a favor, is coming to protect him because he's a helpless, homeless child in a, in a, uh, in a, in a strange and inimical, and inimical world. And that also, my point is, that is also a promise for, for the future, that specifically to understood as a promise for the future. I will be with you in Chutznaritz. You won't build the Beit Yaakov. You won't build the Beit HaMikdash. You won't be creating the basis for the Kingdom of God. But when you come back to Eretz Yisrael, when I bring you back to Eretz Yisrael, so then God can pull back. God will pull back because that's your job. Now it's time for you to do something. In Eretz Yisrael, we have to. We will build our relationship with God. In Chutz Laaretz, God creates out of mercy and out of protection and out of dependency his relationship, his relationship with us. When Yaksap, after hearing this message, he has an oath, a declaration that he says to God. And, and this is what he says, Vaido Yaakov Nedelimo, Perikavchet Pasukhaf, 28-20. It's a dependent conditional clause. If God will be with me and protect me on the path on which I am going and He will give me food and clothing, Yaakov is saying, if you do everything for me, He's, he's announcing that he is totally dependent on God for everything, for food and for and for and for clothing. Vishafti Vishalom El Beitavi, and I will return in peace and wholeness to the house of my father. Vaya Adonai Li Lelohim, and God will be, and Hashem will be my God. And I will make this matzeba that I just uh, stood up will be the house of God and I will give everything back to you in Ma'aseh. There's a disagreement among Mephashim where the words Vaya Hashem, Lida Elohim and God will be to me a God. Where does 
Where should that be placed? Is that part of the condition? If God is with me, and God takes care of me, and God gives me food, and uh, clothing, and takes me back to my father's house, and he will be, and you, God, will be to me a God, then, then this stone will be the house of God, and I will give Maaseh. Or, is the uh, passage from condition to uh, to result, does that take place in the middle of Pasuk Chafalif, verse 21? And I will be returned, I will come back to ask my father, and then, here's now what I'm promising, if all those conditions are met, you will be my God, I will make you my God, I will treat you as my God, and and the stone will be the house of God, etc. Rashi and Ramban disagree about that. Uh, the reason is because it's really hard to understand, not just because of the context, the, the syntax of the verse, but what, what, what is he saying? And if not, he's going to reject God. And if it's a condition, as Rashi says, he's really putting himself out on the line, only if you will, will be my God, Rashi says, that you place your name on me the whole time, and then I'll do, then I'll do what I promised. I think that the ambiguity, the syntactical ambiguity, there's a list of statements here that each one begins with a, with a vav, vav If God will do this, and this, and this, and vishafti b'shalom ha-beitavi, v'haya Hashem li'edahim, v'ha'even hazot. It's really unclear, this, it should have been much clearer. When you have a conditional clause, you say, if this, then... There's no if, there's, there's an if in the beginning, but there's no then here to tell us when it transfers. And I think the reason is that it's meant to be ambiguous. The order indicates that there's something strange here. And you will bring me home to my house of my father, and you will be my God. So she says, yeah, you will be my God from the beginning. But it should have been mentioned earlier. It shouldn't have been left for the end. And after I get back to my house, and then you'll do something? No, and then you'll be my God the whole time. I think it's deliberately ambiguous. What, what the Pasuk is saying, what Yaakov is saying, is that there are two different relationships between God and Yaakov and the Jew. One is protection and dependency. I will be a, a vassal of God. God. God will take care of me. The context is that politically, Levin is taking care of Yaakov. And Yaakov is saying, No. I will not become part of Lavan's family, Lavan's tribe, a dependent part of his tribe, like a, a, a sub-tribe of the, of, the, of the tribe of thing. I'm going to belong to God. But that requires God's cooperation. It's, it's a statement of, it's, it's both a statement on the part of what Yaakov will do, but also a condition of God agreeing that it take place. So, uh, so, uh, so Yaakov is saying, if you will take care of me from the beginning to the end, what, which beginning or which end? From the beginning of my leaving out, so to my coming back, when I'm in a state of not at home, not in control of my destiny, not even, not even promoting my destiny. Because my destiny is in Eretz Yisrael, and now I'm in, I'm in Chutz I'm with the, I'm with the non-Jews. I'm with the peoples of the world. So, I'm declaring that even though I'm there, I will not be of there. I am in Aram, but not of Aram. I am with Lavan, 
but not of Lavan. And who am I of? I am of God. You will be my God. Vaya Hashem Lilelohim. You are my leader. You are my controller. You are the head of my Shevet. You are the you are the name to which I to which I belong. That's my declaration. If you make that happen, and it's not that he's asking for a lot. If you make that happen, then I'll survive. And then when I get back to Eretz Yisrael, I'll do the opposite. I have placed this monument here. I will make it into a Beit Elohim. And I will Aser Asvenulach. Ayakov is defining the double relationship. If you do everything for me when I can't do anything for myself, then when I return to Eretz Yisrael, I will build a Beit, a Beit Elohim. In the rest of the parasha, there's a lot of stories here. I think it describes the dependency, the trickery with the wives, and, uh, and the birth of the children. And you definitely get a feeling on a practical level here, although it's not really that explicit, that Yaakov is living within the context, the economic context, and the social context of Laban's house, but he maintains his independence. You, 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 you see this in, in, I guess in a sort of a hinted manner at the end of the Pasha, when Yaakov is deciding to leave, and he calls his wives to speak to them to the field. He's, he, he, he wants to leave and he has to discuss this with his wives and it says uh, that Yaakov calls them. Vayishlach Yaakov Lamed Alif Pasuk Dalet Vayishlach Yaakov Vayikra Lerachel Uliyah Sadeh El Tzono He calls them out to the fields to his flocks. So you could say, it's probably true that there's a certain amount of uh, subterfuge being taken place. So he doesn't want, he, he's afraid that the house is bugged. doesn't want to discuss this, the, the plans in the house because who knows who's listening. We know that there are other brothers, there are other people who are called uh, uh, the children of, of Lavan. So he's going to a safe place. But I think there's more being hinted at here that Yaakov is basically living in the field and not in the house. As he says later on to Lavan, he says that I never slept. I spent my nights and my days, my winters and my summers out with your flocks in the field. Might have been economic necessity. Might have been part of the job description. But in the end, what comes out is that Yaakov is alone in the fields. There's a beautiful medrash that asks, what is Yaakov doing all night out on the hills of, of Avam Nahavayim? The Medrash gives one of two answers. He's either saying Tilim or he's learning Torah. But he's out there at night by himself. And when he wants to tell his wives to plan his escape from this situation, to return to Eretz Yisrael, so he, he calls them. They're, they're living in the house. They're the daughters of Lavan. He calls to them to come El Tzono to his flocks, to the place where he's living. It's not just far from the far from the house, but it's to where it's more or less his home. It's only his home because it's not a real home. It's it's in it's in it's in isolation. And I think that's a hint to what later on Rashi will say in the beginning of the next parsha, Vitayag Mitzvot Shamati. I was living among them and I'll add I'll, I'll add a point which I think is true. 
Yaakov doesn't go home with nothing. It's not as if he never took place. He wasn't really there. He has four wives who are the daughters of Lavan. He has eleven and a half children who are the grandchildren of Lavan. He also has a lot of flocks which he economically he made a lot of money off of Lavan's business with God's help. Yaakov was a totally different person than when he came there. He came there alone and penniless. And now he's going home. Large, huge family. Powerful family even. And, and a rich one. I think Yaakov is able to get a lot. We derive things from our relationship while maintaining our independence, while maintaining our isolation. You have to balance the two of them together, and that's what this Pasha is describing in, 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 in hinted terms, because it's Masevot Simanabanim. But the Pasha is about how one lives, not just with Lavan, but under Lavan's domination, and Lavan is a tricky and very inimical force. Arami Obedavi Vayerin Mitzrayma. But Lavan Bikesh Lakoratakol, we say in Agada. It's physically dangerous and spiritually extremely dangerous, much more than the other uh, enemies of Israel. Spiritually, it's more dangerous than the other enemies of Israel. Because it's an insidious force that's trying to destroy and, and, and overcome the ethics of Yaakov. And Yaakov doesn't run away. He stays there for 21 years. He in, he's integrated to a certain extent into the situation. He's reacting with the situation. He's taking from, you could view the daughters of Lavan as, as the good things that Yaakov finds in Lavan's house. In the end, yes, these are the Imahot of Israel. We major forces in, in Jewish history, most important forces in Jewish history, come from Lavan's house. But, Lavan at the, but Yaakov at the same time is making sure that he has one and a half feet on the outside. He doesn't sleep in that house. He doesn't become part of the house. At the end of the Pasha, when Lavan says, your children are my children, and Yaakov says, Atkan. He puts up another monument and says, you won't cross this border and I won't cross this border. We've now come to total divorce. And I think, I'm not going to go into this now, but I think this should be interpreted. There's an article in the VBM about this, that uh, Lavan is trying to say to Yaakov, okay, you go home, but you're still part of my family. You're still part of my tribe. It's like a political move. You're going to be my emissary. But I'm the head. And Yaakov says, uh, 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 I'm putting up a border here. You are on this side. I'm on that side. You can make all kinds of interesting conditions. But, that's it. I'm not part of your family. I'm the family. And if you didn't notice it till now, it's because I was living with you in Chutznaz. I had to hide that. And it was hidden by necessity. But now I'm going back to Eretz Yisrael. The angels are coming out to meet me. And positive Jewish history, creative Jewish history, begins from that point on. And that's, and that's next week's Pasha. Go to Shabbat Shalom.